Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. <laughs> and I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, closet pare down problems, <laughs> red carpet season, and how it turns everyone into garbage monsters, Sophia Grace and her best friend's video, women who don't want other women to have abortions, a quick IUD update, and a side convo about flushing tampons, <laughs> plus uh, the shine theory on Master Chef Jr., and a reader, sorry, listener <laughs> question about imposter syndrome. And we both have colds. <laughs> Ugh. You got yours in New York, definitely. I like how you're going to blame New York for this cold. <laughs> I got a cold because of a compromised immune system and just life. <laughs> yeah. I am still not come to terms with the fact that I have a cold. I have not acknowledged it yet. But You know, actually, Anne, I got this cold on New Year's Eve. <gasps> it's an L.A. cold. I, mm, I just remember this. Because I wasn't dressed appropriately. They were like New Year's Eve shenanigans. Maybe somebody woke up in a pool. <laughs> and I have a cold. And then I had to go to New York with this cold. So you have only your own drinking habits to blame for this cold, is what you're saying. You know, it wasn't even that much drinking. <laughs> it's life. It just comes at you fast. You know, winter is pretty gentle in L.A. as long as you don't sleep in a swimming pool. <laughs> Yo, it was snowing in Palm Springs, and I was not dressed for that. Since our last podcast, I have moved to a new house, and it has a big I closet. I saw it. It's huge. It's big. <laughs> I, I, it's like L.A. big, and I I have no possessions to fill it with. It's it's like living in a big, weird museum with no art, and except for the closet, which has clothes in it, and I am currently sitting in my closet where... Our producer, lovely producer, podcast witch, Gina Delvac, helped me set up my, what is now my podcasting station. And I could survive a bombing or hide out and evade burglars, <laughs> like all while this podcast is going on. I'm actually doing a, like a wardrobe critique at the moment and I'm just like... <laughs> oh wait, there's like shit in your closet and you're in the closet? I mean, it muffles the sound. That's, or that's, I mean, or makes, you know. I'm not a sound engineer. I just try to... Find out what's going on in your life. The boss lady told me that this was a good place to podcast rather than my echoey house that has no furniture in it. So here I am. Oh, man. Gina, I need her to come over here because I saw a thing on Pinterest. I was doing a Pinterest drive-by. <laughs> really, I was looking for recipes for my spiralizer and then like whatever happened, happened. But I'm like, oh, I could turn my closet into my workspace and just, like, open it up and put my desk in there. And I was like, hmm. I mean, I'm feeling very cozy right now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's I have almost no clothes in my closet because I've been reading that uh, Japanese lady, like, cleaning guide, the Mary Kondo book. <laughs> and I've thrown away everything I own. It's amazing. Are you are you down to a uniform of five shirts, two pairs and of I have, leggings? I literally have nothing. Um, like, nothing makes sense. So I actually have to go shopping soon <laughs> <laughs> for, you know, like, coordinated looks. But literally, her whole thing is you touch something and you're like, does this bring me joy? If the answer is no, throw it away. That's everything in my life right now. Is she the one who advises you to let go of things by telling yourself, like... Buying this garment held a, like served a purpose yes. in my life, and now I can let it yes. go even if I never wore it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the best advice for clothing. She's just like, listen, that pattern suit, it was, it was great for that time in your life. It served its purpose, and you don't need it anymore. And just you know, like, let it go. Hashtag, it's perfect. Oh, I struggle. Yeah, you you have a lot of clothes. I know. I think the rule of thumb when you're cleaning out your closet is if you haven't worn it in a year, or, or the traditional pre-this enlightened new book way of doing it. Um, <laughs> and I have so many things that I have worn maybe once a year or maybe twice ever. And the, those two times, I was so grateful to have it in my closet. And 
I don't know. I have some hoarderish tendencies, I won't lie, when it comes to clothing. No, it's true. It's like things that mature in your closet. I agree. I think that for me, I I like to be mobile and owning too many things really stresses me out. I moved to this country with like a suitcase and a backpack and every couple of years I have to throw everything away just to remind myself that I don't need shit. It's just stuff. And you can you can accumulate it again. Like, obviously, sometimes it's annoying. There's like certain outfits. I'm like, man, I wish I could recreate that or whatever. My whole thing is to get rid of all of my books this year. Also, like, I don't I don't accumulate music. And um, now I'm like, I want to let go of books as well. I just don't like I don't need them. They don't bring me happiness. I've read them. The memory's gone. I did a book purge in 2010 when I moved away from DC, and I still. I know think about I inherited it. half of those books. I still think <laughs> about it. I still, uh, and right now I um, I went to move my books and was obviously grateful I didn't have triple the number of books I now have. But I I still think about the books I gave away five years ago. <laughs> no, I I'm so ready to not have any books. I just I'm like I've read them. They made me happy. If I really miss them, I can buy an iPad and put them inside the iPad. I just, I want to be able to run away at a moment's notice. So, you know, like, I'll keep you posted on how Book Purge goes. I cannot wait to hear slash maybe come to San Francisco and put all of them in my car and take them with me. Maybe that's what I should do. I should just save them all for you. Because I have good books. I'm just like, I'm almost not going to carry all of this. I'm currently working on my earthquake survival kit, and it's very exciting for me. Do you know you have to order water that doesn't expire? This was a thing. Yeah, duh. This is new for me. You've lived here for how many years? I used to live above a liquor store. I was not worried about stocking up on anything. I would just, my plan was to loot. (laughs) (laughs) And now that I don't live above a liquor store, I'm like, okay, well... My problem is that everything has to look nice. So, like, yes, I'm purging, but I'm also, like, hmm, design conscious. So (laughs) this, like, kit that I'm buying costs a million dollars. It's definitely a Swiss company. I'll send you pictures. It's gorgeous. (laughs) It's, like, it's in the future, it will be the only thing in your house other than a phone and a laptop. No, yeah. I mean, that's my goal. I want a very minimalist house. What was that in that um, Vogue interview when Kim was talking about Kanye's house? And she's like, it's very um, tonal. That's what I'm going for. (laughs) This is a good opportunity to ask you how you feel about Kanye's dictatorial attitude toward Kim's wardrobe. (sighs) Man, it's not like I'm taking off my feminist hat, but I will say this. (laughs) (laughs) When you are in close relationship with someone, as we know, and you don't shine if they don't shine. Uh, <laughs> and Kim asked for Kanye's help. Let's look at what the product has been of him purging her closet. She was on every best dress list this year. And so he was right. I, I wasn't saying Kanye was wrong. I just meant, you know, in general, sometimes maybe you want the freedom to have your own questionable taste. <laughs> I know, but, like, I have bad taste in some things, but I pride myself in that, like, I work hard to have that bad taste. (laughs) Sure. I'm staring at a floor-length tapestry vest right now, so I feel you. (laughs) Oh, my God, vests. (laughs) Vests are coming back. (laughs) You know, but, like, with Kim, she's just like, I don't know. I was reading, like, I don't know, Lucky Magazine, and she just, like, buys all the shit from there, so. Do you think she actually I don't feel bad that her boyfriend upgraded her. Yes. I mean, I don't, in general, I don't think upgrades are a bad thing. There are some people who legit hate thinking about what they wear or are the type to just say, okay, page 96 and lucky, who cares? I'll try it. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's true. It's you, you want, you want to, to capitalize on the strengths of your partner, but. Exactly. Exactly. I was just curious I, I, about the, the non-optional aspect of the the Kanye makeover. <laughs> <laughs> It's trickled down to other members of their family, though. That so, is true. You know, like, Kanye is a good person. I show Chloe all the stuff that Kanye's stylist have kind of, like, pulled out of my closet to get rid of. And Chloe's freaking out. And maybe it was a bad idea to have her come over here and see everything that I'm going to get rid of. You know I love these. I know. He said they are so ghetto. I love ghetto. Fat. you got to have a little ghetto in your life. No, i got to change a no, little No, but bit. having a little umph. 
No. Um, this is actually a really good segue to talk about award season and Golden Globes and all of that nonsense. Award season when not having a TV comes home to roost. I know, except that we've already talked about how you're bad at streaming. Like, you don't need a TV to watch TV. But I tried you know. for like two seconds during the Golden Globes and gave up immediately because I thought yeah, I was going to get that, a like, virus. E has a stream. <laughs> they have like an actual stream at e.com. Only the red carpet, not the that. whole show. Yeah, duh. Who wants to watch the show? <laughs> I mean, there are jokes. I think award shows are really boring unless you're getting an award. You know, it's like going to somebody else's work party and like, who cares? And I feel like George Clooney's wife was just like the perfect example of this. She's just like, I cannot believe I had to come to this dumb party for your work, you know, and just like to get dressed up and smile, whatever. I love how her sort of let me smile through gritted teeth. I hate this was interpreted as ultimate classy move of the night. Political on the <laughs> runway. <laughs> like, no, totally no right, wrong. but I'm like, I'm like, she's a busy lady. She's like, probably has to defend a dictator. Like, she doesn't need to listen to these dumb jokes. Right. Or, she has stuff to do. So, like, or get her hair done shows, for four hours. Yeah. It's like watching award shows, I don't enjoy. But I think mostly also I don't enjoy them because watching award shows with Twitter, especially, is terrible. Most people love it. I hate it. Because everybody just turns into, like, a sexist garbage monster when it comes to the red carpet stuff. And it's really, 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 really disheartening. I wish they would just ban red carpets altogether. Just like have an AP photographer take pictures, put them up on a website. We don't need to see the stars like parading their outfits. I think it's an expectation problem that people, normal people who don't spend hours and hours every week to maintain their appearance. I mean, I guess not all actors do this, but I think there's an assumption that if you make any amount of your living as an actor, you spend more time and resources to make yourself look great. And that's doubly, triply true on, you know, the red carpet where... The expectation is that you should look perfect because you've had every resource at your disposal. This has been your sole focus for weeks. I think that the most feminist thing about we could do for the red carpet would be to cap prep time at like an hour <laughs> and like and like and, and cap how much you can spend on your dress and plus spray tan, whatever. There's like a top dollar amount. No, this is this is like so real. So I was talking to a friend who is like kind of a famous and she was telling me just how insane the whole process is, right? So it's, uh, you have to pay for hair and makeup because, like, unless you are, like, in a nominated, it's, like, a big deal movie, then maybe your studio will pay for it because they're, like, we need you to go to this party or this thing. It depends. But mostly they're, like, responsible for paying for all that stuff. It costs many thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah, of course. Unless you have, like, a famous designer friend, you also have to pay for clothes, jewelry, like, all of this nightmare. And it just, you know, like, it costs a ton of money, and it obviously costs more money for the women than it does the men, blah, blah, blah. But then you have these, like, idiots at home who are also just, like, sitting in their sweatpants, never look good. It's always, like, the people who I feel like have the worst fashion in my life who have the most things to say about other people's Who get fashion. so indignant about, like, the yeah. cut of Kristen Wiig's dress or whatever. No, totally. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, Ro like, Rosamund Pike's dress this year was, like, very controversial. I personally liked it. I thought it was risky. I love a lady in side boob. Sure, it probably did not photograph well from that angle, but she's, like, babely, right? And she's showing no skin and all these, like, idiots at home going, ugh, give me, like, two sheets of paper and construction paper. I could do that. And I was like, you can't do anything. You can barely dress yourself for, like, a regular Monday at your job. Right. But again, I think that everyone is, sort of tells themselves that... Uh, I don't have a $1,000 per hour team helping me, and therefore it doesn't matter what I look like. I can sit here and judge, and that's what it is. It's that, and it's also, I think that people really just, it's like fashion critique that's really like hidden jealousy, and like people that they don't like. I think that it's so apparent. There are like actresses that will never dress okay for like regular people, right? And then some actresses like, actually don't dress super well, but because the conventional wisdom is to like them, nobody says anything. Like, Carrie Washington's dress this year, mm, you know? I'm like, not the best, not the worst. There was nothing terrible about it, but it was not, like, super glamorous or whatever, and I felt like she got a huge pass. 
because you're supposed to like Carrie Washington. I feel like Lupita also wore something like really crazy last year. Oh yeah, at the um, Met designer. At, what was it at the Met? Um, at the Met Ball. All bets are off she for was, the Met though. That's different. I know, but she wore like this thing that was crazy. Whereas like these same people would they would not have been gracious towards her outfit but again because like people like her which is totally fine she is like a great actress gracious lady like no big deal it just really irks me and it's like just be real you don't have to like someone just let people be it's okay to like not to wear something that people don't love i'm i'm also curious about how i mean it's such a, a weird as as the shows are seemingly less and less important the focus on the runway is just or sorry they're not even the runway the red carpet <laughs> as like the real event is um i'm just i'm like make a better show and maybe we wouldn't be garbage monsters critiquing everyone on the red carpet i maybe. know but like those people at e fashion police are the worst humans alive this is where my like r.i.p joan we miss you a lot, but like she was really mean about people's fashions, and Kathy Griffin is basically turned into the same thing. Like fa- when I am king, the first thing that will go is fashion police. I think it's the most despicable thing that like mainstream society does. It's also just this horrible, vicious thing where there's such an appetite for having a mean person critique that it's that was it was a built-in role that Kathy Griffin stepped into. But do you think that she goes home at the end of the night and just has a little cry about having been so mean all night? You know, I don't know, but I I have closely observed the arc of Kathy Griffin's career and the arc of her plastic surgery and how she's changed and all of this stuff. She's obviously somebody for who like looks are really, 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 really important. Kind of like Joan Rivers in that same aspect. And I just... I'm like, I get that. I get your insecurity. I get that, like, being a female comedian is hard, and there's something actually really subversive about, like, refashioning your whole body to do that. But I think that there is also a way to, like, talk about people, like, what people are wearing without policing their bodies, you know, and, and, like, at such a platform. But also, I remember on the Kathy Griffin show a couple of years ago, like, for somebody who, like, dishes it out to everyone... She had just, like, gotten divorced from this guy who basically stole from her. (laughs) And she refused to answer any questions about that and would get really emotional. And I'm like, uh, you don't think that, like, Lindsay Lohan gets emotional when you talk shit about her all the time? (laughs) Very thin skin. Oh my god, Kathy Griffin is gonna come back and, like, eat me alive one day. I mean... I think we're expressing empathy with the Kathy Griffin experience. So if anything, she's going to critique your silky blouses and the fact that I admitted I had a carpet print vest. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like, whatever. We look good. I know. Like, even when I look like trash, I look good. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't spend eight hours getting ready. No, totally. I mean, if I had eight hours to spend, God. It's like every time I take a shower and I go out and people are like, oh, you look good. I'm like, "Mm, reminder (laughs) that I look like trash all the time. (laughs) I'll wear like one coat of mascara and like everybody's like, oh, wow. (laughs) It is true. I remember a coworker of mine once making a comment about how she, she showed up to work. She was someone who didn't wear a ton of eye makeup, but... Uh, she always she she always wore makeup every day, and and she came into work one day without any mascara or eyeliner or whatever on, and I was among the people who asked her if she was feeling okay, and I don't remember my motivation <laughs> if it was like I can just tell something's different, or if I was like you seem to put makeup on every day and you didn't. I don't know. I don't know what my thought process was, but you were like you look tired. <laughs> but maybe because we were the only two women in the workplace at that moment, she kind of took me aside and was like, listen. Most days I wear mascara. Today I didn't. Everyone keeps asking if I'm sick. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm the complete opposite. I wear no makeup at all. Shawnee, our good friend Shawnee Hilton, kind of challenged me to wear a little bit of makeup as a, like, wake up a little earlier and take care of yourself and be more conscious about what you, you know, like, whatever, like, meditate in the morning kind of Mm -hmm. thing. I did it for a couple of weeks and I won't lie, like, it felt great, but it's also hilarious to go into work and, like, all of my, like, dude coworkers who never pay attention to me are like, oh, you look great today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they don't know, like, what quite is different. I think the lesson here like, is to mm, set... I wash my face for you today, like, that's what happened. Right. I think the lesson is to set the baseline at, I, I do minimal 
upkeep. <laughs> and then people will be like, ooh, as opposed to setting a really high standard for yourself and then having people ask if, like, you know, a relative has died when really you just didn't. <laughs> I'm like mascara. brushing, I'm like brushing my teeth in the shower. I don't have time. To, like, Ugh. I am trying to sleep for as long as possible in the morning. Right. Speaking of people who are overly made up, you want to talk about Sophia Grace? And that is really hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you were pushing the boundaries of this friendship, but you really are right now. Uh, Sophia Grace is perfect. (laughs) Obviously, you're referring to the BFF video that I love. We all met Sophia Grace when she was eight years old and she was she did like the most banging rendition of super bass and performed it with Nicki Minaj my favorite was when she was on the Ellen show (laughs) and Nicki's like to Sophia she's like stay in school Sophia (laughs) 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 Sophia Grace obviously did not listen to her advice because now she's 11 and she's a rap mogul uh the song is great it has great Kmart product placement but I will say this I'm very concerned uh Rosie Sophia Grace's uh hype friend lady Mm -hmm. is not in it notice and that's very disturbing to me where did rosie go their bff why is she singing a bff song without rosie i need explanations i mean off brand just gonna say that (laughs) i feel like and she's so good though she's so it's like song of the year it's classic nothing will beat it for me this year nothing the thing about sophia grace's moves in that in that video I have not seen those moves since Kesha's TikTok video. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. It's not working. Which is a knock against Kesha, not Sophia Grace, even though also kind of like you, Kesha, won't lie. I I mean, and we love Kesha in this friendship. I know. (laughs) I'm just, you know, I'm feeling, I don't want to put myself in the Kathy Griffin role at this moment. If at all possible, please don't. I know. Anyway, so this is not to say, you know, I, I'm I'm supportive of the message of this song, but, um, you know, I kept thinking about the filming of this video and about how many takes they did of her just throwing her, both of her hands up, like, kind of with them <laughs> bent at the elbows in, in, in a, like, baby two chains move. <laughs> She's a professional. It was probably all one long take. I mean... <laughs> She's so good. Also, I just love these, like, 11-year-olds, all, like, you know, BFF. They're always, like, singing about boy problems. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, like, I didn't talk to any boys till I was 22, so I can't, I can't really, like, understand what's going on there. But I love that they're so pro-lady. Like, ladies are just getting younger and younger. Also, what's going on? Also, they, the, the video is a definitive answer to an often asked question, which is, can you have more than one best friend? Sophia Grace yes. says yes, which is the correct uh, answer. At the expense of Rosie, of course. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, has anyone interviewed Rosie? Where is Rosie? I don't know. Where is Rosie? I've been asking, like, I... I ask people all the time. I'll hear somebody with a British accent, and I'm like, where is Rosie? She better not be duct taped to a chair in Sophia Grace's basement. (sighs) You know, maybe Rosie's parents were just like, this rap mogul life's not for us. (laughs) The problem is that Rosie was like a really good hype lady. That's the problem. So, you know, it's like the video is perfect, but with Rosie, it would have been super perfect. What is the deal with Sophia Grace's parents? I feel I feel like to negotiate the sponsorship <laughs> deals and the placement in this video. I mean, the product placement is genius. I don't know, Anne. You're the journalist. Maybe this is your next assignment. Talk to Sophia Grace's parents. Making a note. Freeideas.biz. I'm gonna. This is the kind of note that I'll find in six months. It just says WTF Sophia Grace's parents, and I'll, <laughs> and I'll be like, what? <laughs> Yes, my ideas folder on my phone, it like none of it is. I don't understand what any of it is. Shorthands to myself in the future. I know. Wait, can I hold on? I'm pulling up my phone because I found the like best note I've ever left myself. <laughs> it says, Amina, questions are heroic acts of leadership. Don't suffer in silence. <laughs> <laughs> 
best sandwich recipe. <laughs> and these new shoes I wanted to buy. Oh my god. Always motivating myself. I'm not even going to open my notes app right now. I feel like that, <laughs> I just don't want to go there. Much like the closet clear out, I'm just going to, I let it build. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I'm sure that I, like, wrote that to myself when I was in some meeting where I was too intimidated to say anything. (laughs) And you were like, my future self will thank me for this wisdom. That's right. That's right. Don't suffer in silence. (laughs) I mean, it is good advice. Okay. You're going to find Sophia Grace's parents. I'm going to go through my notes folder. Amber alert on Rosie. So ridiculous. What are you reading? So I've been thinking about this article I read, which is about how women are way harsher than men in some contexts on other women when it comes to their abortion choices. Uh, so there's a survey that's been going on for decades. So it's there's a pretty consistent amount of, I don't know, pretty consistently year over year, they're asking the same questions. And when they ask whether a woman should be allowed to get an abortion if she wants it for any reason... Um, 17 of the 23 years that this question has been asked, men have said yes in greater to a greater extent than women. So, I mean, Whoa. yeah, and it made me wonder, it didn't it didn't go super deep, but if the tactic of of saying we should protect abortion rights because sometimes women need it to survive or we should protect abortion rights for in the cases of rape and incest or all the sort of exceptional reasons that get trotted out as why we should defend abortion rights as opposed to just sometimes you really want an abortion. Um, whether women are more susceptible to those messages like, oh, I could picture myself someday maybe, um, you know, being in a health crisis and needing an abortion. But I would never just get one. You know, this idea of, um, I don't know. I, I, I am, I'm, I'm troubled and thinking about this. I'm very troubled. But, you know, the first thing that came to mind is, like, conservative ladies. <laughs> and, yeah, it's like that number surprises me, but it also doesn't surprise me because that's how the war on women works. There's, like, two kinds of women. And I feel that, like, women are, like, a lot of women are real absolutist about this, right? It's like, if you're going to be a good girl and have it all and blah, 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 like, there's no nuance there, like, at all. Right. You either... Whereas, like, for men, it's not, like, for men, it's not as personal, you know? Like, I'm convinced that if you ask most men how actually abortions work, like, they could, you know, they'd be like, is that a tampon? Like, they actually couldn't tell you. I mean, right. Most men couldn't identify basic female anatomy, let alone how to remove a fetus from it, so... No, yeah, right, like, totally. I'm like, I'm gonna give you three options. How do you think this works? They have no idea. It's like, what hole does it go into? Would fail the multiple Uh, (laughs) choice. It surprises me, but it also doesn't at all. I wonder how many of those women surveyed who feel that you shouldn't have abortions have actually had abortions. Oh, sure. I probably about 10 years ago now for a reporting assignment was at a an abortion clinic in Nebraska. That is one of the few places in that part of the country that does abortions on the later end of what's row legal. And um, and he said that of those later term abortions, a disproportionate number. I mean, it, it's it's things you might expect that it's, you know, teenagers in tough circumstances and women who couldn't get the money together early enough. But he said there's, you know, a third group of women who basically couldn't come to terms with the fact that they needed an abortion because it didn't square with their politics. And no, totally. were, you know, were, were basically in his office for this medical procedure and still saying this should be illegal. Um, No, it's true. It's like anecdotally in my life, when I think about like who's had abortions, they're weirdly a lot more politically conservative. I'm like, "Mm," you know, like the rest of us are more likely to use birth control, but um, no judge, no judging zone. Uh, But yeah, it's like, I don't know. I think that's really, really, that's really interesting. It makes me really sad that, 
those women don't want other women to have abortions. Yeah, and I think it works. Um, the flip side of it works, too, which is that if you're a woman with sort of anti-choice politics who has never needed an abortion, you're sort of like, well, I've never needed one for any reason. I take birth control or I, you know, have one million children or whatever it is that you use to justify the fact that you're special because yeah. you've never needed one. I mean, it's not only conservative women. I think all kinds of women tell themselves that, um, you know. I've never had needed an abortion because I've been smart enough to take my pill at the right time or I've been smart enough to. I know, which is like such a crazy, it's like such a crazy thing to think, right? Because it's not about like how smart you are or whatever. It's like, that's the whole point about letting people do what they want with their bodies. You just, you don't know where they're at. Like there are women who are perfectly happy, happily married who have abortions because they like don't see children in that particular circumstance in their lives, right? Totally. Stuff like that. Did you ever see that um, this video like went viral a couple of months ago? That like amazing British lady yelling at somebody outside of an abortion yes, clinic. She's so super pregnant. Yes, and she's just like yell. Uh, I'm just like God bless you. Where can I send you a, a like a edible arrangement? You're my hero. <laughs> but the woman that she was yelling at was a woman who had had an abortion and was regretting it, right? And was and was outside of the abortion clinic like um, with a poster. And she's like, "You're such a hypocrite." It. Like mm-hmm. you've had yours and your life turned out okay, and now you don't want anybody else to have one. Right. I like, mm. like, I regret eating an entire sleeve of butter biscuits, and do I do I want to make butter biscuits? <laughs> Are you little? talking about me? <laughs> no, that is my life. In fact, that is my last night. That's what happened to me yesterday. So, <laughs> rip from like, the headlines. This seems very personal. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, no, that lady was the jam. I was like, thank you very much. Right. I grew up in a super duper Catholic place of extreme anti-choice indoctrination (laughs) and the idea that um a totally reasonable argument that hey even if you regret your abortion that probably isn't a reason to make it illegal because you know you got to make your choice stuff like that just doesn't really fly in in most conversations face-to-face conversations especially out front of a clinic or something um it just i i have a lot of um skepticism about the the sort of the conversational potential of changing people's abortion politics. So, I mean, I don't have enough research on this, right? But I think there are like two nonprofits that do this specifically where they're trying to change abortion abortion stigma through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And apparently it like works. Uh, I think one is called Sea Change. I want to say Sea Org, but that's uh, Scientology. So, <laughs> <laughs> Different it's type something of like that. worldview changing. Um, I'll look it up. I'll, like, tweet about it later. But, yeah, no, where they're, like, when women talk about their abortions and they, like, tell their stories, you know, like, people are moved slash change their minds or whatever, which I think is really true because nobody, like, talks about their abortion, like, ever at all. And I think that it's important to have, like, a full scope of conversation. Like, in the new Nicki Minaj album, The Pink Print, it's so good. She talks about, like, having an abortion and how it, like, basically, like, tore her apart because like she doesn't have that baby and I was like "Mm," you know like not something a lot of like super liberal people want to hear but I think that that's like a really important conversation to have and I would much rather her talk about it than not and I guess I wasn't trying to say that women telling their abortion stories has no impact because I think that definitely has an impact I I guess what I was trying to say is when someone who is sort of from a position of more like political advocacy tries to approach someone to be like I want to change your political beliefs and let me I'm not telling my own story but let me give you a reasoned argument for why you should be pro-choice no totally I mean I, I I actually totally agree with you that personal stories do more. And in fact, a a friend of mine um, who had an abortion and told her sister about it way after the fact because her family was pretty conservative, um, it totally changed her sister's view on on that specific issue. You know, at first she was, you know, horrified, devastated, everything you might expect. And then, you know, a little bit deeper into the conversation, she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I don't think you're going to hell. (laughs) It's like, thank you. Yeah. I just want to light those people on fire. I Like, for the life of me, I think I'm like a fairly, you know, like, whatever, I like get issues. I legitimately do not understand why in America Christian people are so incensed about abortion. Like, to the degree that they are, it really, it, like, boggles my mind. I went to Planned Parenthood once to, like, legit get birth control 
forgot my sweater went back the next day same lady was yelling at me she's like you again and i was like you're like yep pregnant again already here i am like pregnant again next day i had to come back god i'm like hello i'm too poor to get birth control leave me alone like they're so they're so obnoxious um awful people speaking of birth control what is happening with your iud Oh my god, and so I have the date on the calendar. Oh if you repeat my calendar, you'll see it. But then, a mistake, I made drinks plans that night, so something's gonna have to move. <laughs> I'm already like, I can't have, I can't have my ID put in. Uh, my friend is visiting. Like, that's not gonna happen. Right. So probably the next time we do this podcast, I'll be like... I'll be, Wait, I'll be all IUD. Do you have up. to have a sober uterine lining or like your blood alcohol so, level has to be? <laughs> so I've like asked about this. People are like, yes, but I'm still taking two shots of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take like every Motrin they have. I asked for Ativan. I mean, it's going to be a production. It's so crazy. But I really want to say thank you to all of our uh, listeners who've written me about their IUD depot situation. Like, I like I'm so heartened. You ladies are hardcore. So awesome. like like uh anybody with a vagina is hardcore. Just <laughs> the stories like sitting there like sipping wine drinking going what? 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 Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh so yes, thank you for being so generous with your vagina stories. I've been sincerely moved. <laughs> also like really uh crazy i want to give a shout out though a special shout out to our uh listener hardcore listener allison turcos who got her iud put in a couple of days ago and live tweeted the whole thing oh my she, god like, shiro how, how insane like she's just like okay i mean obviously she's an advanced human because she already works at a clinic so she's like i'm gonna pop downstairs and like figure this thing out. right and she did, and she was, she was like, you know, it wasn't bad for me, but like all bodies are different. This is not medical advice. She's like, good people, and I'm like, oh, your body's perfect. It like nothing went wrong. Oh. Me, on the other hand, I'll probably. Die. Oh my god, these tweets are incredible. Feet in stirrups. It's happening. Hashtag Turcos IUD. <laughs> I mean, she's a badass. So awesome. You like? Are you kidding me? I am. My phone will like probably break in half if I hold it. The only thing though, I asked if I could listen to music <laughs> because I want to be as distracted as possible. I mean, <laughs> so I'm making myself like an IUD rap playlist. Uh, yes. Is it? Is it also going to feature uh, the who sings the Keep Bleeding song? <laughs> <laughs> Leona Lewis. That's rude. <laughs> No, it's Sorry. like it's like a lot of big crit and migos. <laughs> like I can't be I'm like I can't be of this world while this is happening. No feelings. That's all I'm gonna listen to is big crit. He always makes me feel so powerful. I know, I know that's your power music. That is perfect. <laughs> so perfect. It's so perfect. Do you have other menstruation news updates for me? Speaking of our fabulous listeners, uh, one of them wrote in to ask us how we feel about, quote, aggressive bathroom signage regarding the proper disposal of feminine products. (laughs) Is it a reasonable reaction to janitorial issues or intrusive patriarchal messaging? I mean, I feel like this is making an issue where there's no issue because... As somebody who has lived with many, many women, I would rather they not flush tampons. Right. <laughs> Shout out 3402 Groom Street House in Austin, Texas. <laughs> I won't shame the roommates from that house, but, you know, it was a real problem um, between hair and the drain and tampons and the thing. Here's how I think also, of it. I, Sometimes women are uh, tasked with cleaning those bathrooms, too. <laughs> Therefore, it's not the patriarchy. <laughs> men had to clean the bathrooms i might feel differently (laughs) (laughs) no totally but also here's the thing all it takes is like one spring break trip to mexico to like know that even toilet paper in your toilet is a problem so (laughs) like that's my feeling the thing that i do think that is like insanely aggressive is how on like many many leases it will say this it's like if you like stop up the bathroom because of um like female hygienic products like you will be charged i'm like that's some bullshit i mean where are the signs telling teenage boys not to flush condoms 
Oh my god. We have a really good condom flushing story in this family, but I don't think I can share it. We can't. It's not suitable <laughs> for the air, but all I will say is... No, it just, it just involves, like, grown men. Like, not teenagers. Oh my god, I don't know this story. The, the story that I know it happened to a friend when he was a teenager. No, this happened to, like, friends that we know. Their downstairs neighbor was, like, almost blew up their entire house. <laughs> very handsome downstairs neighbor oh my god this is so not my story to tell and i've already said too much So what i want to know is why isn't that in the least like you know men like masculine products don't put them in the toilet yeah don't i mean basically outside of toilet paper like don't flush things and even toilet paper be gentle be very gentle take only what you need <laughs> control yourself control yourself take only what you need from it <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know. Like, patriarchy sucks for a lot of things, but, like, plumbing is real, man. Like, it's it's a problem. It's a real problem. <laughs> it's a real problem. <laughs> uh, do we want to take God. a listener question before we go? Yes, but before that, can I give you, like, a really good Shine Theory update? Oh, please do. So, my favorite TV show right now is MasterChef Junior. Um, if you're not familiar with MasterChef Junior... It's the kid version of Master Chef, hosted by, like, human garbage monster Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> in Master Chef Junior, he's obviously, like, a kinder. I, lo- I love reality TV shows with children, like Kid Nation, best thing that ever happened to us, 13 episodes, R.I.P. Master Chef Junior is amazing. Like, these kids can't even lift appliances onto the counter without, like, help from their friends. <laughs> Because they're so little. Also, and full disclosure, I cry every single elimination. Like, kids are not meant to be eliminated. They're just, like, not. I mean, that stuff is devastating when it's not broadcast on television. I know. But so listen to what happened on yesterday's episode. Uh, Jimmy, who's not even my favorite, but it's pretty good, was like, I'm here to win, but I'm also here to make friends. <gasps> And I lost my oh, shit. Sorry, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm here to win, but I'm also here to make friends. That's basically that my is life the spirit motto. of Master Chef Junior. Also, this other kid, Nathan, he was like, says that these other two kids are his best friends in the competition, and it was 100% believable. Or he's like, or Andrew's like, no one wants to see eight year old Riley go home. Or Ryan Kate saying, like, it's hard seeing my friends leave. There's so much good friendship on MasterChef Junior, and it makes it that much harder. Like, I'm always, like, sobbing. That's great. Also, just way to play a long game. I mean, it's hard to know to play a long game when you're 11, but that is the ultimate long game. No, totally. He's like, I'm going to whoop all y'all asses and I'm going to make friends here. Like, he just knows. I think we've entered a new era of reality TV. Like, people want to be friends. I believe the children are our future. The children are our goddamn future. And MasterChef Junior is so cute. Just, ugh. Like, nerdy kids who can cook. Like, what else do you want in life? All right, I'm going to find it on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Your list of things to find on the internet is Is so long. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. Uh. All right, you want to read this question now? This listener says... I'm 23, living in Philly, shout out Philly, <laughs> and I finished my master's degree this past May. 23 with a master's, I mean, girl. Good, good job. <laughs> good job, listener. Okay, that's like already prefacing the problems to come. After the prerequisite several months of job hunting slash crying slash Cheeto eating, I've secured my first real job with benefits and everything. It pays better than I had hoped, and I genuinely enjoy the work I'm doing. I have a decent apartment in the city, a serious relationship with a guy I love, and I even managed to take care of two cats. Wow. Superwoman. (laughs) So naturally, I know. So naturally, I can't stop thinking about what the hell I'm supposed to do now. It's too soon for me to start thinking about marriage and a doctoral program, but I don't know what other goals I could possibly start working towards. After years of moving around for school, working multiple jobs and internships, and just generally living in chaos, the idea of being stagnant terrifies me. I feel like I finally reached a place in life where I should feel happy and successful, but I just feel lost. 
Additionally, I'm suffering from from serious imposter syndrome. I have this great adult life, but I don't feel like I can handle it yet. I find myself shocked that anyone would let me handle my own finances or let me handle clients without direct supervision. It's weird. Uh, did I write this letter? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Unclear. She's baby us. She's now us. This is, yeah. I know, except like way smarter. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't able to articulate any of this at that age. Yeah. Like, oof. Did you have any similar experiences transitioning from academia into the real world? LOL. <laughs> How did you handle your first real long-term job? What do you do to keep from stagnating and settling with your current selves? That's huge. Yeah. When did you really start feeling like a competent adult, <laughs> if you even do? Do you have any t- tips, tricks on adulting? Uh, will you adopt us and teach us how Seriously. to adult? I feel like you have a... I'm, like, literally sitting in my bed, not wearing pants, doing this podcast while I should, while I should be doing my real job. I'm in a like, closet, and I blew two deadlines this week. <laughs> yeah, you are the most competent 23-year-old I know. Right. <laughs> One thing that I see in here is this idea of there are external milestones like, okay, I know my education can go you know, through these phases. I've got a master's degree and a doctorate is maybe next if I want to do that. And, and, you know, it's too early for a promotion at my job or like the next step or whatever for my relationship is marriage. And it just seems like it's all very, um, you know, official milestone related as opposed to, you know, your interests and development as a human related. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes. So that's like the real talk, right? Is that we can, we can unpack a couple of these things. Uh, Congratulations being 23 and like very educated. That's incredible. But also congratulations on being a woman who is very educated in a relationship. That shit usually does not work like that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just black women. Unclear. (laughs) (laughs) I want to touch specifically the job thing. Uh, I love that you are really confident at your job right now. And I totally feel the imposter syndrome. Like once a day, I look at my like work life and I'm like, why is anybody trusting me to do this? I'm a crazy person. I just just like, how do they know I'm not going to burn this whole place to the ground? And the thing is, they don't know. They just trust you. So Fake it till you make it. And also all the <laughs> and research just, like, says grow in your confidence. Incompetent people don't worry about being imposters. It is in, imposter syndrome is actually only something that afflicts people who are good at what they do. Hallelujah, amen. Say that again. <laughs> you have imposter syndrome because you are good at what you do. <laughs> exactly. Fucking love it. And here's the thing about work. I know that it's going really well, but there's always room to do better. Like if you feel like you're doing a really good job, keep crushing it like keep doing what you do i think that like naturally it will become clear to you whether you're actually stagnating at your job i don't think that anybody who's 23 can really say they're stagnating at their job like that's not true (laughs) and then it'll become apparent to you right like if you need to go somewhere else or if you can ask for more responsibility or whatever like i am hoping that you are in a place where they will reward your like you know they'll reward your like talent and diligence with responsibility and that's what changes at work it's just that you just get more responsibility and i think uh which is terrifying (laughs) one of the other really great things about this email and about this listener is this question of i genuinely don't know what other goals i should be working toward like this idea that maybe you should always have goals which is not to say something big like get a graduate degree but you know i'm gonna it's like always be having goals right exactly like that as just a general life skill is incredible even if it's just like i'm gonna really kill it at tumblr this month (laughs) or (laughs) or whatever no totally there i mean like you know get many many hobbies meet new people start a Uh, podcast also the thing about like being a competent adult like you are way more competent quote marks than most people we know I'm, like, barely getting my finances together. Um, So, you know, like, maybe that's your next goal is to be, like, I'm going to stash away, like, a million dollars. Like, figure it out. Every guide to investing says, if you didn't start when you were 23, you're kind of fucked now. So you should just, like, do that. (laughs) Start some kind of investing club. Maybe that's what you should do. (laughs) No, totally. Start an investing club. You know, like, something that you didn't mention in here is how your friendship life is going. Make some new friends. That's always a challenge. You know, no shade to your boyfriend. Meet new people. Yeah, invest in some See how that's going for you. I decided that, like, when I have my whole life together, I want to join, like, a climbing gym. 
Like that's what oh I. Oh my do. god! Tell me more. So feel free. So feel free to steal my goal. You can like become a climber. I love that. I decided I was going to learn to make bread this year, which means by by this time at the end of the year, I will know how to make a sandwich out of something that I made myself. Do you want me to send you some bread recipes? I'm a pretty good bread maker. Please do, because my first one. Do you have a bread maker? I don't. Okay, that's your first but, problem. But listen, this is the whole thing. I want to know how to do it without the bread maker, hence the goal part. Uh, that is such a, like, white person problem. Hey, listen, it's the not reason, a problem. It's a hobby. <laughs> I know, but it's like, okay, we'll talk about this offline. I just come from people who make bread, and we didn't have bread makers growing up, and I just think it's easier if you have a bread maker. Totally. I also think... Just as challenging, but it, like, solves certain problems that are annoying. But also, like... I support all your Can this be a safe space for my goals, please? (laughs) You're right. I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm going to have to talk about this in therapy. I'm really sorry, Anne. Your goal of bread making is very important, and I will support you any way I can. And I'm going to remove the bread maker from the Amazon registry. If you want the real talk, it has to do more with my inability to meditate by looking at a wall. And I think if I'm working with dough, it will help my mind go blank. That is like, honestly, the the truth of the matter is that if I get into a bread baking habit, it will supplant any kind of like meditation. You know, that's the only reason I bake is when I get really upset. I think it's the like baking is so hard. I can't think about two things. Exactly. That's exactly the appeal. So Okay, so I'm going to become a rock climber. You're going to bake bread. <laughs> 23-year-old Philly girl has just become president. Definitely. We can't wait. Also, listen, you're like right around ripe for quarter-life crisis. It happens to all of us. Drink a little. Keep crushing it at your job. Don't make any drastic life decisions. <laughs> It'll pass. <laughs> uh, I. That's the perfect note to end on. I know. We give the worst advice. (laughs) We never claim to be experts. It's true. It's free. I'm just saying, quote T.I., live your life. See you on the internet. Yeah. uh, See you on the internet, (laughs) boo-boo. Thanks for listening to Call Your Girlfriend. You can catch us many places online. One of them is Twitter at CallYRGF. You can listen and download this podcast on iTunes. If you love it, feel free to leave us a review. If you don't love it, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> and yeah, check out our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Um, you can also email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Bye.